0: Good morning, and welcome to the iRobot Podcast Part 2. This is where I, Cory Doctorow, am reading the story uh, iRobot, which was originally published in The Infinite Matrix, and is up for a couple of awards, the uh, Locus Award uh, for Best Novelette. You can actually go to locusmag.com and vote for it there if you enjoyed it. And uh, also, um, it's on the preliminary Nebula ballot this year. Um, having a great weekend still here at Bosscombe, the Boston area science fiction convention. I'm about to, to do a little writing and then head down to my Cafe Clatch, which is where people hang out and we chat in a kind of intimate setting. Had a great turnout yesterday for my guest of honor speech and for the um, uh, a reading I did, and it was really kind. I got a, an award last night from uh, from the New England Science Fiction Association, who are the folks who brought me out here. So it's it's been a genuinely amazing time. I just, I can't remember when I've had a better time at a con. Um, I'm headed back to London tomorrow night, and uh, lots of other stuff coming up in London. There's a speech this week. I'll be posting something about that shortly, and hope to see some of you there. And uh, thank you for everyone who came up and told me how much they liked the podcast here in Boston. Enjoy part two. Bye. The man from Social Harmony noticed right away that Arturo was checking his phone at 90-second intervals. He was a bald, thin man with a pronounced Adam's apple, beak nose, and shiny round head that combined to give him the profile of something predatory and fast. In his natty checked suit and pink tie, the Social Harmony Man was the stuff of nightmares, the kind of eagle-eyed super-cop who could spot Arturo's flicking for the barest moment every ninety seconds to his phone and then back to the meeting. "'Detective,' he said. Arturo looked up from his screen, keeping his expression neutral, not acknowledging the mean grins from the other four ranking detectives in the meeting. Silently he turned his phone face-down on the meeting table. "'Thank you,' he said." Now, the latest stats show a sharp rise in grey-market electronics importing and other tariff-breaking crimes, mostly occurring in open-air market stalls and from sidewalk blankets. I know that many in law enforcement treat this kind of thing as mere hand-to-hand piracy, not worth troubling with, but I want to assure you, gentlemen and lady, that Social Harmony takes these crimes very seriously indeed. The social harmony man lifted his computer onto the desk studying it with both hands and then plugged it into the wall socket Detective Shane Bloom went to the wall and unlatched the cover for the project w- projector wire and dragged it over to the social harmony computer and plugged it in snapping shut the hardened collar the sound of the projector fan spinning up was like a helicopter "'Here,' the Social Harmony man said, bringing up a slide. "'Here we have what appears to be a standard AV set-top box from Korea. "'Looks like a UNATS robotics player, "'but it's a third the size and plays twice as many formats. "'Random Social Harmony audits have determined "'that as many as 40% of UNATS residents "'have this device or one like it in their homes, "'despite its illegality. "'It may be that one of you detectives has such a device in your home, "'and it's likely that one of your family members does.' "'He advanced the slide.' now they were looking at a massive car wreck on a stretch of highway somewhere where the pine trees grew tall the wreck was so enormous that even for the kind of seasoned veteran of road fatality porn who was accustomed to adding up the wheels and dividing it by four it was impossible to tell exactly how many cars were involved components from a eurasian bootleg set-top box were used to modify the positronic brains of three cars owned by teenagers near goderich All modifications were made at the same garage. These modifications allowed these children to operate their vehicles unsafely so that they could participate in drag racing events on major highways during off-hours. This is the result. 22 fatalities, 9 major injuries, 3 minors, besides the drivers killed, and 1 pregnant woman. We've shut down the garage and taken those responsible into custody, but it doesn't matter. The Eurasians deliberately manufacture their components to interoperate with UNAT's robotics brains, and so long as their equipment circulates within UNAT's borders, there will be moderately skilled hackers who take advantage of this fact to introduce dangerous, antisocial modifications into our nation's infrastructure. This quarter is the quarter that social harmony and law enforcement dry up the supply of eurasian electronics we've added new sniffers and border controls new customs agents and new detector vans beat officers have been instructed to arrest any street dealer they encounter and district attorneys will be asking for the maximum jail time for them this is war on the home front detectives and it's every bit as serious as the shooting war Your part in this war, as highly trained, highly decorated detectives, will be to use snitches, arrest trails, and seized evidence to track down higher-level suppliers, the ones who get the dealers their goods. And then Social Harmony wants you to get their suppliers, and so on, up the chain, to run the corruption to ground and bring it to a halt." the social harmony dossier on eurasian importers is updated hourly and has a high-capacity positronic interface that is able to answer your questions and accept your input for synthesis into its analytical model we are relying on you to feed the dossier to give it the raw materials and then use it to win this war The Social Harmony Man paged through more atrocity slides, scenes from the home front, poisoned buildings with berserk life-support systems, violent kung-fu movies playing in the background in crack houses, then kids playing sexually explicit violent arcade games imported from Japan. Arturo's hand twitched towards his mobile. What was Ada up to now? The meeting drew to a close, and Arturo risked looking at his mobile under the table rp Robert had checked in five more times, showing, shadowing Ada around the mall, and then had fallen silent. Arturo cursed. Fucking robots were useless. Social Harmony should be hunting down UNAT's robotics products, too. The Social Harmony man cleared his throat meaningfully. Arturo put the phone away. Detective Ikaza de Rana Goldberg... "'Sir,' he said, gathering up his personal computer so that he'd have an excuse to go. No one could be expected to hold one of UNAT's Robotics' heavy luggables for very long. The Social Harmony Man stepped in close enough that Arturo could smell the eggs and coffee on his breath. "'I hope we haven't kept you from anything important, Detective.' "'No, sir,' Arturo said, shifting the computer in his arms. "'My apologies. Just monitoring a tail from an rp unit.' I see, the social harmony man said. Listen, you know these components that the Eurasians are turning out. It's no coincidence that they interface so well with UNATS robotics equipment. They're using defected UNATS robotics engineers and scientists to design their electronics for maximum interoperability. The social harmony man let that hang in the air. Defected scientist, his ex-wife was the highest-ranking UNATS technician to go over to Eurasia. This was her handiwork, and the social harmony man wanted to be sure that Arturo understood that. But Arturo had already figured that out during the briefing. His ex-wife was thousands of kilometers away, but he was keenly aware that he was always surrounded by her handiwork. The little illegal robot pet eggs they'd started seeing last year. She'd made him one of those for their second date, and now they were draining the productive hours of half the children of Unats, demanding to be fed and hugged. His had died within forty-eight hours of her giving it to him. He shifted the computer in his arms some more, and let his expression grow pained. "'I'll keep that in mind, sir,' he said. "'You do that,' said the man from Social Harmony. He phoned R.P. Robert the second he reached his desk. The phone rang three times, then disconnected. He redialed, twice. Then he grabbed his jacket and ran to the car." A light autumn rain had started up ending the Indian summer that Toronto the fourth prefecture in the new metric scheme had been enjoying it made the roads slippery and the UNAT's robotic chauffeur skittish about putting the hammer down on the Don Valley Parkway he idly fantasized about finding a set top box and plugging it into his car somehow so that he could take over the driving without alerting his superiors <coughs> Instead, he redialed RP Robert, but the robot wasn't even ringing any longer. He zoomed in on the area around Shepard and Don Mills with his phone and put out a general call for robots. More robots. This is R.P.D. Frederick, Fairview Mall parking lot, third level. Arturo sent the robot RP Robert's phone number and set it to work translating that into a locator beacon code, and then told it to find Robert and report in. It is my... He watched R P. Frodrick home in on the locator for Robert, which was close by, at the other end of the mall, near the Don Valley Parkway exit. He switched to a view from Frodric's electric eyes, but quickly switched away, nauseated by the sickening leaps and spins of an Arpide moving at top speed, clanging off the walls and ceilings. His phone rang. It was R P Frodric. "'Hello, Detective. I have found R p Robert.' "'The P-Unit has been badly damaged by some kind of electromagnetic pulse. "'I will bring him to the nearest station-house for forensic analysis. "'Now—' "'Wait!' Arturo said, trying to understand what he'd been told. "'The P-Units were so efficient. "'By the time they'd given you the SITRAP, "'they'd already responded to the situation in perfect police procedure. "'But the problem was that they worked so fast, "'you couldn't even think about what they were doing. "'Couldn't formulate any kind of hypothesis. "'Electromagnetic pulse?' The PED units were hardened against snooping, sniffing, pulsing, sideband, and brute force attacks. You'd have to hit one with a bolt of lightning to kill it. Wait there, Arturo said. Do not leave the scene. Await my presence. Do not modify the scene or allow anyone else to do so. Acknowledge. It is my... But this time, it wasn't Arturo switching off the phone. It was the robot. The robot just hung up on him? He redialed it. No answer. He reached under his dash, and flipped the first and second alert switches, and the car leapt forward. He'd have to fill out some serious paperwork to justify a two-switch override on the parkway, but two robots was more than a coincidence. Besides, a little paperwork was nothing compared to the fireworks ahead when he phoned up Ada to ask what she was doing out of school. He hit her speed dial and fumed while the phone rang three times, then it cut into voicemail. He tried a pen trace, but Ada hadn't made any calls since her excuse club call that morning. He texted the freak squad to see if they could get a fix on her location from the bug in her phone, but it was either powered down or out of range. He put a watch on it. Any location data it transmitted when it got back to civilization would be logged. It was possible that she was just in the mall. It was a big place, some of the cavernous stores that were so well shielded with their radio-noisy animated displays that they gonked any phones brought inside them. She could be with her girlfriends, trying on brassieres and having a real bonding moment. But there is no naturally occurring phenomenon associated with the mall that nailed Arpedes with bolts of lightning. He approached the Arpides cautiously, using his copper's override to make the dumb little positronic brain in the emergency exit nearest their last known position open up for him without tipping off the building's central brain. He crept along a service corridor, heading for a door that exited into the mall, he put one hand on the doorknob and the other on his badge took a deep breath and stepped out a mall security guard nearby nearly jumped out of his skin as he emerged he reached for his pepper spray and arturo swept it out of his hand as he flipped his badge up and showed it to the man police he said in the cop voice the voice that worked on everyone except his daughter and his ex-wife and the bloody bloody robots sorry, the guard said, recovering his pepper spray. He had an oceanic twang in his voice, something Arturo had been hearing more and more as the crowded islands of the South Pacific boiled over Unats. Before them, in a pile, were many dead robots. Both of the RPD units, a pair of mall sweepers, a flying cambot, and a squat, octopus armed re- maintenance robot, lying in a lifeless tangle. Some of them were charred around their seams, and there was the smell of fried motherboards in the air. As they watched, a sweeper-bot swept forward and grabbed the maintenance-bot by one of its fine manipulators. "Oi, stop it!' the security guard said, and the ro- robot second-lawed to an immediate halt. "'No, that's fine. Go back to work,' Arturo said, shooting a look at the rent a He watched closely as the sweeper-bot began to drag the heavy-maintenance unit away, thumbing the backup number into his phone with one hand. He wanted more cops on the scene, real ones, and fast.' The sweeper-bot managed to take one step backwards towards the service corridor when the lights dimmed and a crack-bang sound filled the air. Then it, too, was lying on the ground. Arturo hit send on his phone and clamped it to his head, and as he did, noticed the strong smell of burning plastic. He looked at his phone. The screen had gone charred black, and its little idiot lights were out. He flipped it open, over, and pried the battery out with a fingernail, then yelped and dropped it. It was hot enough to raise a blister on his fingertip, and when it hit the ground, it squished meltfully against the mall tiles. "'Mine's dead, too, mate,' the security guard said. "'Everything is. Cash registers, bots, credit cards.' Fearing the worst, Arturo reached under his jacket and withdrew his sidearm. It was a UNATS robotics model, with a little snitch brain that recorded when, where, and how it was drawn. He worked the action and found it frozen in place. The gun was as dead as the robot. He swore... "'Give me your pepper spray and your truncheon,' he said to the security guard. "'No way,' the guard said. "'Get your own. It's worth my job if I lose these.' "'I'm sorry about my accent. <laughs> That's not part of the story. That's just me. Um, "'I'll have you deported if you give me one more second's worth of bullshit,' Arturo said. Ada had led the first RPed unit here, and it had been fried by some very ugly piece of infowar equipment.' He wasn't going to argue with this oceanic boat person for one instant longer. He reached out and took the pepper spray out of the guard's hand. "'Truncheon,' he said. "'I've got your bloody badge number,' the security guard said, "'and I've got witnesses.' He gestured at the hovering mall workers, checkout girls in stripy aprons and suit salesmen with oiled-down hair and pink ties. "'Bully for you,' Arturo said he held out his hand the security guard withdrew his truncheon and passed it to arturo its, lead, its lead-weighted heft felt right something comfortably low-tech that couldn't be shorted out by electromagnetic pulses he checked his watch and saw that it was dead Find a working phone and call 911. Tell them there's a second division detective in need of immediate assistance. Clear all these people away from here and set up a cordon until the police arrive. Capiche? He used the cop voice. Yeah, I get it, officer. The security guard said. He made a shooing motion at the mall rats. Move it along, people. Step away. He stepped. He stepped to the top of the escalator and cupped his hands to his mouth. Oi, Andy, come here and keep an eye on this lot while I make a call. All right.